Okay, hello. I want to welcome you here in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I'm going to start this day with uh, 2 Corinthians 1.12 says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. You know, the word simplicity means single. Simplicity in Christ is a single-mindedness of faith and loyalty to our Lord. Having one's mind made up and one's motivation headed in a single direction, that of Jesus Christ. You know, from this we can see how simplicity in Christ speaks of purity rather than a mixture of singleness of heart as opposed to duplicity. No man can serve two masters. You know, Paul told the Corinthians that he feared that by some reason their mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, the word corrupted means to destroy by bringing down in a worse state. When contrasted to the word simplicity, we can see a clear picture. You know, Paul is warning us against dividing our faith, obedience, and devotion and devotion between Christ and something else. You know, we need to live a Christ-like life. We must have him first in our lives. You know, this year, the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. You know, I know um, we're excited. Everybody here in Kansas City is excited. Um, Even my son-in-law is excited, being a Phoenix fan. But, uh, you know, it was a long time coming. The Kansas City Chiefs, after 50 years, had made it back to the Super Bowl. You know, two weeks between winning the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl was a really exciting time around Kansas City. You know, everybody was anticipating the big game. Everywhere you turned, in the news, in the office, all of the talk was about the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs were led by Patrick Mahomes, you know, a young quarterback, that is quick, has a good throwing arm, and can run the ball, and has an enthusiasm to pump up his fellow players and the fans. You know, he led the Chiefs to win Super Bowl 54 and was named the Super Bowl MVP, you know, the most valuable player of the Super Bowl. You know, everybody wants that. You know, uh, I could tell you, I could tell by watching Mahomes talk with the media that he possessed a kindness different than most players. So I wondered if he was a Christian. So I googled, is Patrick Mahomes a Christian? You know, if you want to know something, you can always Google it. You know, that's what everybody, it's like you have a question, it's like, let's Google it and find out. You know, so I found out the following. You know, Patrick Mahomes is popular with the fans for his down-to-earth demeanor and commitment to charitable endeavors. He is proud of his religious faith, which he counts on to get him through tough days. Mahomes was baptized when he was in seventh grade. In middle school, he started getting actively involved with his church's youth group. Clearly, his days in the church youth group made a huge impression on him, for he has no problem sharing his religious sentiments on Twitter. You know, when he got hurt, it was in the middle of the season, he was out for a few weeks, and, uh, you know, he tweeted the following. It said, Awesome team win. Love my brothers. Thank you for all your prayers. Everything looking good so far. And then he hashtagged, God is good. 
you know, could we do that? You know, we need to do that. We need to praise our God for all the things in our lives. Uh, You know, Mahomes doesn't just share his religious viewpoints on Twitter. He practices what he preaches and stays actively involved in doing good for the community and has his own charity. You know, I'm glad that he is a good role model and hope that he holds strong to his faith. You know, I saw an interview of Mahomes when he was in Miami the week before the Super Bowl. He was being interviewed by a young boy. He was asked, do you have any advice for your fans? Mahomes simply replied, be the best you can be every day. You know, is, is Patrick Mahomes going to be the do everything right? No, not necessarily. Are we going to do everything right in our lives? Not necessarily. But we can always go back to serving our Lord. You know, we're going to make mistakes. We can repent of our sins. But we must always try our best to serve our God. You know, I want to ask this question to each of us. You know, are we being the best we can be? Are we giving our best to the Master? Are we giving our best to God? You know, I'm a singer, and I, I love songs, and I, I know our hymns have testimonies of their own. And so um, I'm going to read the verses to uh, give of your best to the Master. It says, give of your best to the Master. Give of the strength of your youth. Throw your soul's fresh glowing ardor into the battle for truth. You know, give of your best to the master. Give him first place in your heart. Give him first place in your service. Consecrate every part. Give of the best to the master. Not else is worthy his love. He gave himself for his ransom, your ransom. Gave up his glory above. You know, he, you know, it... The chorus is, give of your best to the master, give of the strength of your youth, clad of salvation's full armor, join in the battle for truth. You know, are we giving our best? Are we doing the things that we should be doing? You know, in Colossians 3, 1 through 6, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For the which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedient. You, you know, I want to talk this day You know, I want to talk on idolatry. You know, the definition of idolatry is extreme admiration admiration or worship or the worship of graven images or things other than God. Excessive devotion to or reverence for some person or thing. I know everyone here believes in God. You know, I would not purposely bow down to an idol, and I know you wouldn't either. You know, but we must look to ourselves and and make sure that we have our focus on the right thing. Uh, I'm going to read Mosiah 2, um, start with 13. It says, Believe in God, believe that he is, and that he created all things both in heaven and in earth. Believe that he hath all wisdom and all power both in heaven and in earth. Believe that man doth not comprehend all the things that the Lord can comprehend. And again, believe that you must repent of your sins, 
Forsake them and humble yourselves before God and ask in sincerity of heart that he would forgive you. And now, if you believe all these things, see that you do them. You know, that's the important one. You know, believing is so important. But number 17th verse is, and now if you believe all these things, see that you do them. You know, that's the hard part. But we must follow. We must hold strong to our beliefs in God, put our trust in him and humbly seek him so that we can keep our thoughts on serving him and not get caught up in putting our focus on the things of the world. You know, idolatry starts in the heart, craving, wanting, being content by anything that you treasure more than God. You know, um, 3 Nephi 5, I'm going to read 110 through 112. And it says, Lay not up yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and thieves break through nor steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, we, um, you know, idolatry is the things in our lives that we desire and treasure more than God. You know, it could be the love of a sports team, success at work, maybe a popular singer or group. It can be a hobby. You know, I love to play pickleball. You might like to scrapbook or like playing video games. You know, you might love reading books. You know, it's important that we take care of our bodies, but you may obsess on exercising. You know, we might love coming home and relaxing on the couch, watching television. You know, we have all those things, and I say, is it okay to like all of these things in our lives? You know, I would say to you, sure. You know, it's fine. All of these things I have listed are okay to do. But we must put God first in our lives. We need to make sure we are following his commandments. You know, identifying our own idols can be a challenge. You know, I have some questions that we can ask ourselves to identify the idols in our life. Do I prioritize anything or anyone before God? You know, number two, does anything bring me more pleasure than the things of God? Do I seek fulfillment or satisfaction from anything outside of God? And do I love or treasure anything or anyone more than God? You know, they all kind of go together. You know, all four of them, you know, are, is anything in our life more important than God? And it shouldn't be. God needs to be our, our first priority. You know, these are tough questions, I know. You know, we have work, family. We have many obligations, but we need to make God our priority. We find the greatest joy when the Lord is our treasure. You know, so how can we make God the treasure in our lives? You know, first we need to build that close relationship with God. We need to start every day with the Lord. We need to do whatever works in our lives to bring the Lord with us everywhere we go. 1 John four sixteen says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. We each need to figure out whatever will work best in our lives. You know, we each, I have my routine every day. 
we each need to figure out what routine we can do to bring God with us everywhere we go. You know, Deuteronomy 13.4 says, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the work of truth. You know, we need to study the scriptures. We need to, to know by God's example the things that we need to do. You know, we need to ask the Lord for guidance in our lives. John 8.12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You know, I have another song, and it is, Father, Lead Me Day by Day. You know, it's another song, another um, song we sing each week, you know, different weeks at church, and it means so much if we take these words to heart and, and do these things. And it says, Father, lead me day by day, ever in thine own sweet way. Teach me to be pure and true. Show me what I ought to do. When I'm tempted to do wrong, make me steadfast, wise, and strong. And when all alone I stand, shield me with thy mighty hand. When my heart is full of glee, help me to remember thee. Happy most of all to know that my Father loves me so. You know, we, we might be happy, full of glee, but we always need to turn and remember that God gives us that joy. May I see the good and bright when they pass before my sight. May I hear the heavenly voice when the pure and wise rejoice. And the last verse is, May I do the good I know. Be thy loving child below. Then at last go home to thee, evermore thy child to be. You know, we want to be a child of God. We want to, um, but we must do do what's right. You know, we, we might, we will falter. We will falter. We, we can't be perfect, but we must strive to be perfect. We must strive to do what is right. You know, Ephesians 5 I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You know, we need to walk in love and endure to the end. You know, Second Nephi 13 And I'm going to start with verse 19. 
verse 19 says, And I heard the voice of the Father saying, Yea, the words of my beloved are true and faithful. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And now, my beloved brethren, I know by this, that unless a man shall endure to the end, in following the example of our Son of the living God, he cannot be saved. Wherefore, do the things which I have told you that I have seen, and your Lord and your Redeemer should do. For for this cause have they been shown unto me, that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter. For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water. And he cometh, and then cometh the remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. And then are ye in the straight and the narrow path which leads to eternal life. Yea, ye have entered in by the gate, ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and of the Son, and ye have received the Holy Ghost, which witnesses of the Father and of the Son unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made, that if ye entered in by the way, ye should receive. And now, my beloved brethren, after that ye have come, gotten into the straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, Nay, for ye have not come this far, save it were by the word of Christ with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Wherefore you must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And now behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is none other way, nor name given unto heaven, whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and the only true doctrine of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God, without end. Amen. You know, we need to press forward with the steadfastness in Christ. You know, right now in the world... You know, we are having a lot of turmoil with the pandemic that is changing how we live our lives. You know, but we need to put our faith and our trust in the Lord. You know, Joshua 1, 9 says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. You know, we must take the love of God everywhere we go. You know, right now we're kind of isolated, but we can still call each other. We can uh, do things that uh, we can fellowship one with another. You know, that it doesn't have to be in person, but we can show that love and the things we do, the kind actions we do. Uh, you know, if, if an elderly person needs something from the store, we can offer to go, you know, that, that we might be healthier, that we might be able to do that act of kindness. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about charity. You know, we need to have charity, which is the pure love of Christ in our lives. You know, I have a poem here by Helen Steiner Rice. It's titled God's Love. It says, God's love is like an island in a life's ocean vast and tide, a peaceful, quiet shelter from the restless rising tide. God's love is like an anchor, when the angry billows roll, a mooring in the storm of life, a stronghold for the soul. God's love is like a fortress, and we seek protection there when the waves of tribulation seem to drown us in despair. God's love is like a harbor 
where our souls can find sweet rest from the struggle and the tension of life's fast and futile quest. God's love is like a beacon burning bright with faith and prayer. And through the changing scenes of life, we find a haven there. You know, Psalm 511 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. You know, let's rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. You know, I hope that I have spurred some thoughts that we must put our faith and trust in the Lord. You know, we need to put him first in our lives above all of our earthly duties. You know, we are excited that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. We will be ready for them to win it again next year. You know, but remember, what is really important is our victory with our God. You know, we must trust in the Lord in all things. He will get us through these times. Things will, uh, we will rejoice and we must rejoice in him. We must thank him for the blessings. We must look for those blessings as he, as he uh, blesses, blesses us. You know, we must seek him in prayer. We must do those things that are pleasing unto him and build him close to us. You know, I'm going to end here with Mosiah 3.21. It says, Therefore I would that ye should be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in good works, that Christ the Lord God omnipotent may seal you his, that you may be brought to heaven, that you may have everlasting salvation and eternal life through the wisdom and the power and justice and mercy of him who created all things in heaven and in earth, who is God above all. Amen. You know, thank you very much for your time. You know, this podcast is a great outreach to each one of us. And, um, and I hope that we can take with us that we must trust in God, that we must build him, put him close to our heart, take him everywhere we go. So thank you.